Which next step is the best fit for your future? What can you do to accelerate your professional development? And how should you navigate different workplace challenges? I'm Kyle Gantos, and our team is on a mission to crowdsource insights, best practices, and action plans from accomplished peers, all who began their career in Big Four, to help guide you wherever you want to grow. Hello and welcome to another episode. I am really, really excited about today's topic. It's a beautiful day. I've got a really, really insightful panel. And we're going to be talking about something that most of the people listening to this, you're, you're, you're going to have the opportunity at some point in your career, but there really is no established playbook. So excited for us to dive into how to transition from individual contributor to leading happy, keyword, and high-performance teams. Happy high-performance teams and I am joined here today by some uh, really incredible people. We'll uh, lead off with some introductions. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, Thank Abby. You. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing great. Um, Abby Sesker, I was previously um, at PricewaterhouseCoopers for a while and then came over and transitioned to Embark. I actually became a manager while I was here at Embark. So it's been about a year and a half of being in a formal role of leading teams, managing teams. But I would say at least six months before that, I was kind of a lead on teams. So I would just say to the audience, you don't have to be in a leadership role, a formal role at this time to truly get benefit from this conversation because you do a lot of leading in different ways throughout your teams. So great point. It doesn't have to be formal. Yeah. Um, Mr. Andrew Liu, always, always good to be around you and absorb your Glad wisdom. Here, yeah. How are you today? Good, good. It's a great day. So happy to be here. Uh, but intro for me, Andrew Liu. I've been at Embark almost 10 years now, which is kind of crazy. Um, started off my career at, at BDO Dallas in the audit practice and then transitioned to, to consulting. Um, a few years after that, I've been in, I guess, a more management, uh, sorry, a manager leading role, I guess, four or five years now. And so, you know, really echo Abby's um, comment, like thought leadership goes way beyond the title. And so, so much that you can learn from each other, even before you're into a quote unquote manager role. Well, welcome. Glad to have I you. I appreciate it. And uh, last but not least, Mr. Michael Landers, how are you? Doing great. Doing great. Um, yeah. No, happy to be here. Uh, Michael Landers. I am a uh, managing director here in the Dallas office at Embark. Uh, prior to Embark, came over about year and a half ago. Uh, prior to that, I was at PwC for about 12 years. Um, left a director there in the audit practice. Um, yeah, you know, I would say, you know, really when I hit that five year mark, six year mark, well, I guess, sorry, step back, right? Uh, senior associate. So, you know, you're talking like three years in, you're really kind of in the audit track thrown into these teams to, to lead teams. And, you know, it's smaller scale. Um, and then as you, you know, every year goes by, there's more and more expectation on, on leading. And so just a lot of perspective over the years of good and bad and everything in between. So happy to uh, share my experiences with you all here today. Glad to learn from each of you. I think we'll have a, a really strong variety of, of perspectives. And I think one of the first things I want to get into, you know, before we get into kind of like the how to or, or best practices is so far at this point in your careers, what has been the most fulfilling experience you've had wearing uh, some form of a leadership hat. And Abby, you can start yeah, us off. Yeah, I'll jump in. Mm -hmm. I have been helping a an audit facilitation client here at Embark for about four of their quote unquote busy seasons of the audit reports. Um, and I think the coolest thing is 
growing in my leadership over those years. Um, and so taking on more responsibility every year. And then finally reaching the point of managing leaders that then became the managers and the leaders of the team. And then giving me feedback saying, I was set up for success because of the way that I saw you lead, because of the way I saw you handle these interactions with the client, with the auditors. Um, and so I think that like setting the example and then empowering them to go and lead excellently and seeing them do that in the years after I've kind of left that lead role has been the most fulfilling thing. It's been very cool to see that evolution. So could you have like when you started, could you have like how, 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 how big of a, like that seems like there was an evolution of fulfilling experiences. And then you finally get to the point where you're like, am I, am I paying it forward? Am I passing it on? Um, Wow, that's cool. I'm looking forward to you. Now you've got my curiosity peaked on uh, on how to do that. Andrew, how about you? What's been your most rewarding yeah. experience? Honestly, I mean, very similar fashion with with Abby. I think I will, I'll go a different route from not specifically client service, but just from like a, a coaching perspective. Um, I think just being a part of our kind of our coaching structure for many, many years, it's been really rewarding and fulfilling to um, just see growth. Right. And so when I first became a coach and was kind of like a manager, um, was, was, was kind of like walking through the development of a lot of associates and senior associates. And so you fast forward many years down the road, um, you really kind of get to see them be coaches and they, and they lead and it. It's almost kind of sounds weird, but it's almost like, like you, you see your, your kids growing up in a sense. Um, and, and so there's a lot of joy, um, and excitement because, you know, like, I had a hand in that and it was really cool to see them take away some of the things that I was doing from a coaching perspective and seeing them do it with their team and, and kind of having a little bit of that legacy, right? That sounds a little bit, um, you know, funny to, to think about, but when you, when you talk about just years and years of just doing work and doing work, like, like where do you really find meaning is like, you want to make sure that you leave like a legacy that is positive and, and joyful and that people really enjoyed the time that they spent with you. And so when you really can pour into people and, and and have that kind of meaningful interaction over the years and then kind of finally reflect on it many years later, it's it's really rewarding. Um and yeah, I mean it just kind of keeps that passion going. That's I mean I think legacy is a great yeah. word for it. Um and it's you know being able to go in, I mean it's like going through a journey together. Um that has to be, I mean, already just two answers in, it can kind of, there's like a little theme that's yeah, emerging that it's I like purpose like overlaps. To, purpose to what you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you, Michael? Um, I'll take it a little different direction because <laughs> I, I agree with both what Abby and Andrew said. And, and it is always really awesome to see folks succeed that you have been involved with, you know, from the infancy of their careers, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, maybe it's self self-conceited a little bit, you know, but you're like, oh, you know, I helped grow this person. Um, but, uh, but I think along with that, what, what I truly love is, you know, I, I grew up playing team sports, you know, I love watching games on the weekends and, and, um, you know, the job that we have is typically in teams. Maybe it's people, maybe it's 40 on these big giant audit teams, right. And some of the projects that we do around here. And I, I love when, 
the team can come together as a cohesive unit and everyone knows their role. There's free flowing ideas. There's when there's somebody who's down, people are picking them up. You know, everybody's working and staying together. And I've been on, you know, fortunate enough to be on some audit teams. Abby was on some of those back in the day at PwC where um, it was exactly, it was exactly that, right? This, just this cohesive group moving towards a common goal and, you know, being in different roles, you know, whether it be a senior associate or a senior manager, right? Um, just really kind of being in a spot to affect how that team is, is operating. And, you know, it's not all, it was never always just me, you know, in, in that manager leader role. Um, but, you know, you, you're part of it. And, you know, when those things go well and you get to the deadline and everybody's there together and you finally got the end of project happy hour afterwards and it's just fun, you know, you kind of have that end of camp sensation and you're like, let's go on vacations together. You know, we're, we're always going to be best friends, you know, <laughs> but I think that, every project's uh, yeah, like exactly. That. Yeah. <laughs> but I think those moments are just truly special and, and yeah, it's silly to kind of joke, you know, but that's, that's our jobs. Right. And that's what we're doing. And like, when you can find those wins and, and you're part of it, like that's, that's really cool. And that's kind of what fulfills me and keeps me uh, working in these team environments and solving these accounting problems for, for, clients, you know, um, with, with, the with my team members. So, yeah. And I mean, and well, I mean, there are so many different types of people so that the challenges are seemingly like limitless. Um, I know for, for many years before I came to embark, I was an individual contributor managing my own business, but it, I mean, it was lonely at times not being around other people. And I, that's part of what prompted me to want to be a part of a team again before we get into, and, and I guess what I was saying is I, always wanted to be a part of a team where you felt, however, I don't, I'm not going to do a good job of articulating this, but you could feel that the person who was leading cared as much as how you described it. You know, very, some, there's a very selfless element to it. I'm curious before we get into, you know, what it takes to make that transition and do it well, uh, on the opposite side of the spectrum, you know, we learn through failure. We learn through mistakes. We learn through doing it good, but figuring out how we can maybe be one percent better next time. What, uh, what are some of your most humbling experiences? And maybe we'll work our way back in the opposite direction this time, Mike. Yeah, I think one of the more eye-opening moments I had younger in my career um, was you know, again an audit team. Um, I can't remember senior associate. You know exactly what year what right, but you have. You know, there are just those times where it's a challenging person on the team um, and, and, and when they're not doing well, right, you have folks that, that ask you, you know, your manager, your senior manager, your partner, hey, what's going on? Are you coaching this person? You know, are you? And I think that was one of the more eye opening moments for me, which was, hey, they're doing poorly. We know you do well. But what are you doing to help that person? What are you doing to get them into a better spot? And so the first question out of out of you know my senior manager's mouth wasn't, hey, what are they doing wrong? Let's fix it. It was, hey, what are you doing yourself? Like look at the mirror first and figure out if your approach is the right way to be to go about it. Um, and I think that really just kind of opened my mind to like, hey, let's first off, I can only control what I can do, right? Um, but then also really taking a step back and making sure that I'm supporting the people on my team to the best of my ability. Because if I'm not doing that, then I'm doing them a disservice too. So um, yeah, no, it was it was it was definitely eye opening and something that I still try to think about to this day, even even ahead of time. Right? Try, don't get to that point where you're having to figure out what the issues are. Like you know, try to foresee them. But yeah, you know, it comes with time and, and repetition doing it. So I'm curious what yeah. until that question was posed to you. 
you, I mean, you don't strike me as the kind of person who wouldn't care about your, your team. Right. But, but your mind was somewhere else until you realized that there's a whole, there's another level to this. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, you know, in the audit world, you can, you get deadlines creep up on you and you miss stuff. I've worked on a lot of really big teams. And so, yeah, there's, you know, admittedly there were people that kind of fell through the cracks, you know, that, um, should have been more aware of, um, and then when getting to those situations, it was less internal reflection. It was more like, hey, what do we need to do to get this person? You know, what, what are they doing wrong that I need to address? Right. And um, it's kind of like in my marriage, I got to figure out how to like listen, listen to my wife's <laughs> issues, you know, uh, repeat them back, you know, and then what can what can I do to help? You know, not not solve the problems, but, you know, how, what can we do uh, together as a team to fix that? And again, it's self-reflection in the mirror there. But um yeah, so that was kind of earlier on when I hadn't had much experience doing it because, I mean, all of us, I don't know if we everybody took leadership classes in college. I, uh, nope. I definitely didn't. And so, you know, <laughs> sure we're kind of just in a one. profession <laughs> where like progression means you're going to be thrust mm -hmm. into these manager roles and you kind of have to figure it out on the go and you run into a lot, a lot of different styles. And that was earlier on when I just hadn't quite figured it out yet. Um, so, yeah, no learn from your mistake and keep moving. But yeah. yeah. Andrew, what was, um, you know, hearing you describe what's so fulfilling about it yeah. on the other side of that equation, what, what's a tough lesson that you learned or just a, you know, an eye opening experience for you? I'm like thinking back to some of my like PTSD, like, you know, <laughs> clients that went very far South, you know, from like my first year out of, even out of school. Um, just go to that dark place. I'm going, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going. thinking of, <laughs> I'm thinking of all the yelling and the, the screaming. No. Yeah. I mean, I think just the environment that we're in, um, there's just a lot of stress and there's a lot of deadlines and there's a lot of expectations and, and targets move seemingly, um, you know, on the weekly basis on certain clients and, I remember in my former audit days when I first started to kind of lead and kind of take the baton where they're like, okay, this is our schedule, our deliverable schedule, you know, like, you know, X, Y, and Z during these times, here you go, Andrew, like, good luck. Um, you know, once things started to get shaky, um, you know, I think for me, it was really humbling to um, be in conversations where I didn't have like the right answers. And I would almost kind of like make up like, oh, you know what? I I think we can get it to you next week. And um, it would just start to compound and compound. And I was like, okay, I don't know how to navigate it now. And I remember a few instances where I was I was asked to like come into the room and just, I just got an earful um, from the client of just like, why would you do it this way? Did you, you know, did you not think it through? And just a lot of like verbal, um, you know, deconstructive comments that I just started questioning. I was like, oh, should I even be, in this profession, right? And so um, had some moments of just kind of reality checks that like, you know, every, not everything is just gonna go smooth. And so, um, you know, I think throughout the years, it was how do you manage that? And, and kind of how do you deal with the stress, you know, as, as, it, as it pressures on you? And, um, you know, I think that just took some time to kind of understand like, you know what, in this situation, I need to respond with a little bit more, you know, assertiveness. Or in this situation, I need to ask for help, right? Um, that was super humbling for me because I thought I was ready, but I wasn't, but you're never really going to be. So it's like, how do you balance, you know, being assertive, but also asking for help and knowing that like, you're just, you're not going to have all the right answers and uh, give yourself a little bit of grace, you know, internally too. 
um, cause you're always kind of your strongest and harshest critic. Um, and that took me a good solid projects for me to realize that like, you know what, it's okay. Life moves on. You'll hit the next deadline. You'll hit the next client. Um, don't just keep stewing in, you know, your quote unquote failures for, for that, you know, for that project. I tend to be pretty harsh on myself oh. and I've been in, a, I've had a couple experiences. I can remember one in particular where, uh, a member of the C-suite called me in the office. I did something, you know, I had good intent. I did something wrong and I, they just like yelled yeah. at me. Right. And even, even my boss at the time was like, I'm so sorry that you had to just like that. That's how it was handled. How much of you, you know, granted, like in the future, you look yeah. back and that was a catalyst, but how much of what has fueled you since then has been, how can I help somebody get to their next level the way you did, but yeah. maybe with a very different experience? Yeah. I mean, I think once you have to sit through those difficult conversations, um, you know, you have the realization that people on your team most likely will have to encounter some of those things. And so how do you, as a support, how are you there before kind of more preventative versus reactive, um, knowing that like, Hey, you know, deadlines are coming up or we're delegating work and we're, we're kind of falling behind. Like, I don't want the client to pull you into their office and give you an earful. Like let's, let's kind of get ahead of it. And so I think once you've been in kind of that hot seat, like you for sure can empathize with anyone who might be there. Um, and so how do you go and take that next kind of step to, to kind of be, um, kind of almost like their shield, right? You know, like where, where does the buck really stop? It, it, it stops with a lot of our team leads and the MDs on our projects that sometimes take take bullets for for the team. And so I think when you kind of have that self-sacrificial mentality um, to not just think about yourself, but think for the individuals and what might be coming their way, I mean, it just makes a huge difference with team dynamics, right? Because that's how you build trust, right? If, if someone's willing to kind of take a little bit of the heat for the good of the team, like, like, you know, they're in it for the team to be successful. But as a leader, as a team lead, as a project lead, like you have to be kind of like that first person to, to take a little bit of the heat um, and like learn how to manage it. And so that, that just, I think, took time because um, there's just so many personalities out there that you just never know when you can get called into the principal's <laughs> office, you know, in a sense, <laughs> just got to be ready for it. Abby, I'm sure you've uh, never encountered any sort of struggle no, at all, right? It's all been Seriously. an easy, breezy, yes, situation. <laughs> What's been your biggest memory challenge? I would say learning to give constructive feedback in the moment. So I feel like when I first became a manager and kind of leading teams, I happened to be working with people that really understood time management, really understood deadlines. Our personalities were very similar. Um, and so it was kind of that situation where you get to the end of the project and you're like, okay, now I'm going to provide feedback. What are some areas of development? And kind of, I don't want to say stretching because we all have areas of growth and development, but that was the point in time where I would, you know, have to provide feedback. Well, then I'm on another engagement and we, things were falling behind, you know, deadlines were not being met. Um, there must've been some miscommunication with expectations of timelines. And this was a very rapid project that we were on a tight budget and we were on a tight, you know, number of hours and all of that. And so I actually reached out to Michael and I was like, Hey, this is what's happening how do I best handle this? And it was one of those things where it's like, 
you can't be reactive in the moment. Yes, we all need like a second to take in what's happening, process our thoughts, but we do need to give somewhat in the moment feedback um, and constructive feedback because not only does that help everyone we're working with and we want them to grow and succeed, but it helps our client, right? It helps us get to the finish line and not continuously have these bumps in the road trying to meet the deadlines. So it was very hard for me to have to give constructive feedback. I really love lifting people up and saying, this is everything you're doing that's so wonderful. Um, So in the moment, having to do that and have a more serious conversation was difficult, but I know that they took it as my intent was only to help and to allow them to grow and be you know, even better on their next job or even better the next week um, and that sort of thing. So the constructive feedback in the moment was very tough for me to get comfortable with. How long did it take you to go from having that natural feeling that I'm, okay, I'm uplifting Andrew right now. So that's positive for Mm -hmm. both of us to get to the point where providing that constructive feedback and maybe you never got there, but like how long did it take for you to really start to view it as in the same category of getting somebody to level up? I personally don't think I will ever be there as far as fully comfortable, not having your palms sweat a little bit. Like it's confrontation, right? In a way, but knowing like in my heart that this is all full of positive intent and like for the growth of someone else, that helped me get there a lot quicker. And so it's not nearly as uncomfortable and I always look at it like I would want someone to do that for me. I would want to be aware if, hey, you know, I need to improve on this element so that we can meet this deadline or we can strive better to succeed as a team. And so like an Andrew or Michael, like if you guys were leading me, that's what I would want. And I would want that positive intent behind it, but it's important. And so just kind of putting on a different cap with it and saying like, no, this is for the betterment of this individual. And I'm going to present it in that way so that they know I care. But it's never easy still because it's not as exciting as the good stuff, you know? So Well, it's got to feel great though when when they do get to that next oh, level yeah. and the light bulb goes off and then both of you get to celebrate that, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. So I would like each of you to take me back in time when you were making that transition into your first, you know, formal leadership or coaching, you know, role, um, I have a couple questions for you. At the time, how did you define success? And then what anxieties, if any, did you feel, you know, day one? And uh, any volunteers? I can go real quick. I thought, but when you were leading a team and you're managing a team, even though I had seen the struggles of those that had led me before, I expected to lead perfectly and to know everything. And that was quickly shattered. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it almost allowed me to have a little bit of comfort in the fact that I will never know it all. I will never have every perspective and understand everything. Um, And to kind of lean on others, whether that's leaning on people that you're leading even, you know, just that perspective of it's not you're this, it's not you're this like lonely man or woman at the top. It is you're all in it together. And so you're never expected to know everything. And so that was a big switch for me was the idea of 
being a perfect manager or leader. What's kind of nice too is, again, going back to like just being a senior associate on an audit team, right? Like you're you're put in the position pretty young. So the expectations that you're going to knock it out of the park day one, pretty tempered, right? I mean, there are the exceptions. There's a senior that gets thrown into like the manager role on a big public client first, you know, and they have to just figure it out when they've never done something like that. But, you know, I think, I do think this profession is kind of nice in that there's a gradual build. Um, but similar to Abby, like the anxieties are always that you're dealing with a lot of folks who are perfectionists, you know, through and through. And so the idea that, hey, when it's my turn to be that that lead senior, you know, I'm, I'm finally the, the senior manager on this job, you know, I'm um, or wherever your career path takes you. Yeah, you you think like I've got all the answers. I'm gonna knock it out of the park, mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> then you start getting those comments <laughs> back, and you're like, oh boy. <laughs> um, so I think that yeah, that anxiety of like always having the answer, balancing more responsibilities, and I think that that just seemed to be an ever increasing uh, stress during my time in, in um, public accounting, um, and so yeah, getting through that, and yeah, over the years you get better at it, but um, it was it. You know, it, it was tough getting through some of those years. Um, COVID didn't help you know, being at home for part of that period of time. Um, but yes, working in really, really quality folks that we work with on the client side and on our side. And so, yeah, you always want to be the person with the answer. And uh, it's tough. It's really tough to, to navigate at times. Did you get the perception when you looked around the rooms that you were in that everybody... No, that's the thing, right? I know where your question goes. Like, that's the thing. Like, you're all in the same spot, but like you're in, at least I, I'm always in my own head mm-hmm. and like, I'm the dumbest person in this room. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, it's, it's definitely not the case. Like you're, you're, you should be leaning on other folks. And, you know, I, I figured it out way too late in my career. Um, not too late, but later in my career that I should have how important relationships were, um, and um, looking back, I wish I had kind of put more effort into it, be a more reserved type person. I, I didn't focus on it as much as I should have, but um, where, you know, where your question was going, right? If I had just looked around the room and asked more questions and maybe maybe looked a little bit more vulnerable, but you know what? That's okay because actually we all are, right? And, and the people that you think know more than you have probably been doing it a lot longer than you have. Um, yeah, there's the occasional just absolute prodigy that you work with and <laughs> hey, you know, more power to them, but happy they're on our side kind of kind of feeling. Um, but yeah, definitely should have pieced it together and, and been more confident in the moment um, in my own abilities and, and the collective team than, than it took me. It took me too long to figure that out, I think. Andrew, how about you? I mean, how did how did you define success and and like what, what was your biggest internal pressure? You know, yeah, very similar to, to both of theirs. I mean, I'm a huge people pleaser. And so I think when I thought, okay, leading people, leading teams, like I just want to make sure everyone's having a good time. We're getting all the work done. Clients happy. You know, the partner, our MDs are happy. Just like, I just wanted everyone to to be happy. And that's kind of how I saw success. And, and to kind of, even to Michael's point, I think when you work with a lot of smart, bright, you know, high-performing people, like, that anxiety starts to really creep in of like, okay, well, the, the bar might be set a little bit higher than I thought. And so, you know, like how, how prepared can I really be in my limited experience, right? Before leading an engagement. Um, and so, you know, that, that anxiety of like perfectionism is, is super real. Um, especially when one thing goes wrong, you're just like, I don't know, everything is, everything's falling apart. Like how will I be perceived? 
Um, because I think when you first kind of start, you know, on a project, like you just want to make sure you get the right reputation and the perception of people's like, oh, this is it's a good transition for Andrew. He's now he's leading more projects, like, you know, like as expected. Um, and so you just don't want to be the guy where it's like, well, we had high hopes for Andrew, but you know what? I don't know. Like, you know, like maybe, maybe he's not cut off for this. There was always that fear of being set up to be successful. And then you get there and you just start fumbling things and you're like, okay, maybe I'm, you know, not going to be good at this next level. Um, so funny, you know, joke kind of in, in even in public, I was like, man, I actually would love to be an associate for like, you know, 20 years. Like I can do this cash recon, you know, process like, and, and feel like I'm good at it. I'm doing it. Um, there's no issues. Um, but I think that, you know, that mindset when I was younger was, um, was just naive to the idea of that, like, you know, growth in order to grow and to get better and to be, you know, successful in, in my mind, like there needed to be failure. And, and I was afraid of failure. I, I think it was it just, I just like, I couldn't take it mentally of like, man, like I'm getting better, but I'm failing. Like it, it could, I couldn't put it together. I'm curious, having gotten to know each of you a little bit um, and then hearing you share what you felt then and then just like seeing how great each of you are at what you do. What is the correlation between having a certain degree of like humility and being a good leader? Because I, I would imagine that most of the people that you were surrounded with is certainly the ones that helped you get to unlock some, you know, greater potential. Probably also, while you might have perceived them to be this polished, you know, super confident, secure, answer to everything, knows how to roll with whatever could be thrown at them. If we got them all in a room, I bet they would have, my hunch is that they would have similar answers and descriptions of themselves. So like, is there a correlation with some degree of humility? Um, or like, do you think that has been conditioned in you after getting beat up a little bit over time? I think that's part of why I love working here because there's such a human aspect. It allows you to lose a little bit of that perfectionism mindset when you're able to connect with people on things outside of work and struggles that we all go through in life and those sort of things. Um, and so even connecting with leaders, you know, people in our C-suite, whatever it may be, and recognizing that they're human just like us allows you to give yourself more grace because we're all just trying to sort through this thing called life and work is a part of it, but there's so much more to us outside of that. And so building that within your team so that those that you are leading feel comfortable to approach you and say, hey, I have this thing going on and that's maybe why I'm more absent right now or you being able to pick up the slack for someone because you're aware of what's going on in their life. Like I feel like those human aspects of work in a way um, allow you to have a little bit more grace on yourself and others. Mm -hmm. And I think the industry lends itself. You know, I think from like a consulting perspective, like there's, there's so many facets, so many industries, so many different types of work that you could do that like you'll never really ever feel like you got it all down. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, humility, um, like, yeah, like the industry will humble you regardless if, if you want to be humble or not. Like you can be the most confident person, but it's, it's inevitable that you're going to run into a project that you're just like, man, I really just got to start from the basics of learning. Like, what am I even trying to do here? What am I even trying to accomplish? Um, and, and I think that repetition... Um, really kind of keeps you on your toes 
and it allows you and it allows your teammates kind of what what Abby said, like, like you're not going to be perfect. So it's okay. Like there's going to be that first couple of kickoff meetings and conversations where you're just trying to, you're fumbling a little bit of like, okay, am I, am I saying the right things? Am, am I on the right track? Are our expectations meeting? And, and then you start to kind of get into a groove. Um, but, you know, I, I think just this industry will really challenge how you navigate whether or not you you really know it or are you willing to like be flexible and learn it so that you can be confident in knowing it. Um, I think there's a there's a big difference in that. And so these last couple of years have been just really great because it, it never it always keeps you on your toes. You have to be humble or else I, I think you're just going to drive yourself into a, like kind of a corner of trying to figure everything out on your own. And I, I just don't think that's possible in, in the industry that we're in. There was a, a partner at PwC that I worked with quite a bit and, you know, over the years. And something that I took away from working with her um, was kind of towing that line of, of confidence, yet, you know, humility, like mm-hmm. we're talking about here, right? And and um, there, there is an element of uh, self-promotion that kind of comes in, in our world, really in, in a lot of professions, right? If you want to strive to get to the highest levels, the yeah the partner level, the C-suite levels in, in the finance and accounting world, there is an element of getting to know people, relationships and and promoting yourself a bit. Um, but I don't think that that should be misconstrued for not being humble. You know, I think, I think if you just take it purely back to managing a successful team, you know, in, in my opinion and, and what I picked up, you know, to your point over the years working with, with so many high quality partners, um, was was what do we do for the team to be successful? And it's putting people in places to do really good things. And as the manager, as the leader on a team, um, one of those has to be, in my opinion, coaching and approachability. And and you know, we've already touched on those already here. But you know, I just want to echo those and say like that's it's you've got to have like a free flowing arena of ideas. I think for a successful team to 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 be there. And and if you're not fostering that in a leadership position or in a manager role on that team, then I, you know, I would challenge you as your team really being that, that successful. So it was just some of the things I picked up over the years, but uh, you know, at the end of the day too, make sure you have that, that confidence. It's so much easier said than done, right? Uh, have self-confidence, you know, that's so easy to do and it's not, um, it's hard to measure. Um, but you know, a lot of things, right. And, and to be able to have that and exude that to your team, I think goes a long way. And that's, you know, i pick that up from, again, some very successful folks over the years. Well, and I think confidence too is also a product of overcoming some of those challenges and then realizing that you can. Yeah. We've reached the midway point of this episode. Are you enjoying the conversation? Be sure to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom that can help you work smarter to level up faster. Speaking of which, have a follow-up question or future topic request? Email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com so we can get to work on creating content that'll help you get wherever you want to grow. And now back to the discussion. Real quick, like lightning round, whatever comes to mind. I'm sure people are listening and maybe they just transitioned. Maybe they're like getting close to it. Maybe they're like a year into it. What were some of the different scenarios, challenges, you know, just whatever comes to mind? What were some situations where you just like, okay, that was uncomfortable or I ran into a roadblock here or like that was a, a you know, that was that caused a ton of anxiety, but you know, whatever. I'm just curious, just a quick lightning round of different challenges that can come to mind that you encountered, say your first year as a leader. I'll start. Time management. Struggled with figuring out how to 
use my time and then how to help others use their time. Great one. Yeah. I mean, in the audit world, right? It, it, a little bit of time management, but it's, it's now you're managing people's time and, and work product on top of doing your own and, and learning how to coach, but then also review, which is uh, in and of itself, probably a whole separate podcast. Um, so, you know, I think, I think that was, was a challenge. Um, I, I noticed early, early on in my managerial career. So Abby, you mentioned constructive feedback. Yeah. Anything else? Um, just appreciating everyone's perspectives when they have different work styles. And, um, I know here we use culture index and that's been really helpful. Um, just to kind of understand we're not labeling anyone, but just to kind of understand, okay, this person prefers quicker communication. This person prefers more step-by-step email communication and examples and just different things. And I still feel like you constantly learn because you're always going to run into someone that, you know, takes in information or processes it differently than you do. Um, so yeah, that's been interesting. It's just working with tons of different types of people. It's kind of exciting too, you know, keeps you on your toes. (laughs) Yeah. to, To add to that, like working with difficult people, I think we mentioned that a little bit earlier or, you know, under underperformers in a sense, um, for whatever reason it might be, like how to help them or kind of pull some of the weight that they might be mm-hmm. dropping is was was pretty difficult. I noticed nobody so far has said strategy or technical skills. I thought well, that was listen, a good listen, I'm the oldest guy yeah. in this group. So there's there's technical challenges that I'm running into now in my in my career. That was a given. I was gonna say though, <laughs> Just, back to the yeah. confidence piece. It's like look at how far you've come you're going to figure it out, you know? And that's the confidence that you can have is like, you are going to figure it out and you can lean on other people to figure it out. So like the technical, it's like, yes, advance yourself technically, you know, continue to take trainings, continue to challenge yourself, but you will solve the problems because you've done it in the past. Like you'll do it again. All right, so let's let's get to like the masterclass portion of this. The four of us are starting a company and we are going to, all, all we're doing is is developing leaders. Um, but I think the first the first part of this, and we talked about what your perceptions were when you stepped into that role, what anxieties you have, given what you've learned and what you've accomplished and the, the how you've helped others, you know, pay it forward. How would you define success now? Like what what is the mindset going into it to say, if you do this and get this outcome, that is successful? I think being intentional with your teams early on, understanding the people you're working with. And it, it, again, it's not easy stuff to do, right? But sitting down, being intentional at the onset of, of any project that you might have, and you want to know people's strengths and weaknesses. And, and you know, you'll learn that over time throughout a project, but it's really moving people around and, and into putting them into the best spot to succeed, right? And so, you know, what that looks like is going to vary, but you know, not not having these preconceived notions of of hey, this is what has to happen on this job this year to be successful. Because you know, if you're planning for an audit in in June, chances are your team's going to probably look different by the time you get to the fall to October. Um, you know, there's always some issue that comes up in the middle of busy season. You know, say hey, evaluate we, you know, we missed an entire fund one year. Like <laughs> we didn't, we forgot to even start the audit on it and then figured it out three days before it was due, right? So there's just things you just can't plan for that. But do you know the people on your team? Do you have everybody's trust? 
to be put into a position to to come out with a good outcome or to just get to the finish line. Sometimes it's just survival, right? And mm-hmm. you know, so I think um, it, to me that was really where success started clicking, which was, hey, you know, if, at the end of all this, like if we get to the goal and the client's happy and everyone feels like they learned a little bit and they feel happy with the result, then I feel like that's that's a, at a minimum what we should be doing, right? And so that's um, that's what I would say, you know, that's success in my early years. And it's just compounded since then, right? And and I'm smarter about it now and can can pick and choose and, and figure things out quicker. But yeah, no, that's that's where success really starts, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's super similar. I mean, I think Michael said something like, if we've done something and, and we've learned a little, I mean, I think from that development aspect is super huge because I don't think anyone wants to just work for like five years and be like, well, what happened the last five years, right? And so when you talk about success, it's like we want to put people in, in opportunities for them to grow and to learn and, and to, to kind of, you know, be on edge because, you know, like you'll sit in different seats sooner than later. Um, and, and so if you can move around the strengths and weaknesses and give people opportunities to do things that are different, um, I think that allows the dynamics of how people show up to work differently. And I think that's success in itself. If you can create an environment where people genuinely want to come to work, I mean, it might not be the most like riveting accounting work, but if it's something where people are challenged and they can grow and they can learn different perspectives, I mean, those are intangibles that that you're not going to get if you're just doing accounting work in, in a sense. And so um you know I'm, I'm heavy on the teams it's like i'm always challenging it's like okay what are we learning each week um even if it's like the smallest things right it's like these small things will always add up to something bigger given the time the duration um of the project and so if, if you can come away with it and reflect and be able to say like hey you know what i actually these are some skill sets that i learned getting the project done and, and doing it in the right fashion is always successful but but for me it's like if, if you can actually come away with some you know, you can in, increase whatever your your players rating for being a coach or being more technically sound. Right, like just seeing that progression over over projects is, I mean, it, it's super invaluable to people. What are the different ways that you can measure that? Right, because mm. I'm, I'm what I'm hearing you is it's part of that could be a conversation. Yeah. Part of it could be like it sounds like maybe like a, a cadence, a huddle where you're proactively asking and you're listening to their responses. Um, is there anything I'm, I'm not, we did it thinking. once, uh, on one of the projects that I was with Michael on, it was just like, we would do a weekly thing where we would challenge and encourage, you know, some of our members to like, teach us something that you learned this week. Right. And so it didn't matter what title you were like, everyone did it. Everyone had their chance at it, but it was really cool to see how people responded to it. And so it's not necessarily like a metric of like you're scoring people, but you're putting people in in seemingly uncomfortable positions for the good of their growth. And so it could be conversations. It could be like, hey, why don't you lead this meeting this week? Um, And and then to like kind of give that constructive feedback and um, to encourage them in, in those ways. And so I think there's just a lot of ways that aren't super like concrete, like put it on paper, give it a score. Um... But but more so, like, if you can put people in different positions and different opportunities that, you know, make them a little bit uncomfortable, like, they'll hopefully thank you in the, in the later. It's like, hey, you know what? Through this experience, I was able to grow. Um, and so really, a lot of it just happens organically. You really have to understand 
your people and kind of like how how much you can kind of stretch them in a sense, right? And, and I, the only way you can do that is if you start asking questions and, and you start kind of understanding like how they function. Um, but that was a really cool example that I thought, you know, at first I was like, oh, this might be kind of weird. Um, but like each week, like someone new stepped up and we did something different and people were like giving us the origin of it in French. And I was like, oh my God, I'm learning random information that I never would have learned, but here I can somehow tie it to some accounting terms. So um, it was a really cool opportunity for us to just get away from the like, okay, what are you doing today? What time are you gonna be done? Like, when are you gonna send it? It, it really just kind of made the work environment so much more dynamic. Like, it's, yeah. it's makes accounting fun. Exactly, exactly. You're learning, you're, you know, being challenged to your point. Yeah. You're getting to know people too. included. Get to know their personality, um, you know, crack jokes. So like it just makes it more lighthearted so that it's not just like heads down, like mm -hmm. pressure, pressure, pressure to finish stuff. I love it. Um, yeah, that's that's the beauty of, of just keeping people on their toes. How might we expand uh, the definition, Abby? Well, it's piggybacking off of these two, but empowering. Mm -hmm. So you want to put people like to Andrew's point in situations that maybe challenge them, but they know that they have your support regardless. You will always be there, right? As a leader, but you're empowering them to kind of take that uncomfortable step and do it for themselves, do it for the team, try something new. And then the reward that comes from that, from their growth experience, but also you getting to witness that is like the coolest thing. And then it instills so much confidence um, in them becoming a leader or just in their role. Um, a big thing that I think is important as far as like in the accounting industry is that when you become a leader or a manager to not micromanage, um, I think we all most of us are very detail oriented, right? We're used to like, we do things a certain way, but that does not empower your people and understanding that everyone's going to color code things differently or make it look a little bit different in the spreadsheet is okay. As long as you're getting and meeting the end goal. Um, I think that's part of that empowerment piece that really resonates with accounting for sure. I mean, don't go too crazy with the colors. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but see, there you go. What if someone's like super color coded and so there's no that. colors on anything else? It's fine either way. And you learn to, I don't know, work with that. So how do you, um, well, that, that, that's been a recurring struggle throughout, throughout. I'm very detailed, right? I struggle with this. So I'm curious, how would each of you reprogram that out of me to, I, to where I would get closer to, you know, uh, a more empowering leader faster. First, I would say you have a lot on your plate. Remember that. And so actually, you, this is it. This is all I do. This is it. <laughs> but like, you don't have the capacity, or you should not be using your time to go back and change the details exactly the way that you would write it out or expect it. Um, now, there's a level of expectations, right? There's kind of like that sandbox. Like, okay, this is our expectations. This is the playground. And as long as someone's in that playground, it's okay. But if they build their sandcastle a little bit differently than you would expect to see it, you know, your huge three-tier detailed windows sandcastle, um, it's okay. And you just 
you have to put your time towards where you're needed most. Um, how much do I owe you for a follow-up class? $500. But, uh, Master class right here. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, so here's, here's what I've heard so far in terms of mindset. It sounds like foundational pillars, relationships, mm -hmm. empowerment, growth. Mm -hmm. Obviously we have to get quality work done so that we, you know, bring in revenue and pay the bills and we can keep iterating and improving, but small details, those would be the, those would be the, <laughs> yeah. the, the foundational elements. Um, before we start stacking onto that pyramid, is there anything else that we've missed? You gotta have a little fun. Yeah. You know, that goes into yeah. the building relationships, yeah. you know, lightheartedness. Yeah. Joke. You know, I think, I think this, this world accounting and finance can sometimes take itself seriously, you know, and I think having a little, um, humor involved, um, goes a long way so the you know more some of the more successful teams i've been on there's been a it helps get through the hard times when you can do some things that just kind of you know lessen the stress i think um and yeah it probably falls into one of those buckets but one to highlight not no i think that's of. important yeah. and, and you even talked about earlier right you had so many things that needed to get done and your your head was down on getting those things done and then you said you know i wish i could go back and i wish i would have you know, focus more on the relationships earlier in my career. I imagine part of that was fun though. So like, you know, now that you know what you know, what are some ways that you've, you know, made it fun and then realized, you know, to be, you could, you could explain to me, Hey, I know it seems like more work right now, but if you make it fun, everything's going to get so much easier later and every, you know, to just keep compounding. Yeah. I think it's really just isolating. Like what, what do we, truly trying to accomplish with this project like what's truly important let's it's what abby was saying right to kind of get you to calm down and get out of the details it's it's isolating like what is the most important thing here like what should we be focusing all of our attention on and then everything else while important in its own way you know let's 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 put it in perspective right and so i think that in a in and of itself kind of helps um lighten it a little bit it's it's less like you're drinking out of a fire hose and um and so i think i think thinking about projects in that sense and like what is the key thing we're doing here um but i don't know just in general i just have a weird sense of humor and, <laughs> and so i'm always interjecting it into things but also just getting down to a personal level with people you know if you're just talking about hey what'd you do over the long weekend you know how was your trip because you know they're going on a trip or hey how was that concert you went to how's your how are your kids doing how's your spouse doing right and um i think inevitably you will land on on things to lighten the mood um and you know we're all in general similar in one way or another and you can find things commonality um to land on and 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 you know maybe it's maybe it's serious talk you know maybe we do need to get you out of the details kyle maybe it is something we need to but then maybe it's just hey you know abby went to this cool show let's hear about it you know mm -hmm. and, and so i think i think that really does help but you have to be very intentional about doing that um yeah you don't know until you ask right yeah. and so if you're just always focused on like the work and the task at hand, like you really miss out on a lot of opportunities to to have those lighthearted conversations or or think of something that could, you know, make make work better for them. Um, yeah, I think for me, it's like people just need mental breaks. Right. And so if that means like, let's get up and just go grab coffee together, like that's kind of like, a, OK, well, is that really fun? It's like, well, sometimes it's really important for people to have a chain of scenery. Um, or like we used to do like a, a sporkle challenge, like on some of my, just, just fun, like brain teasers and, and just something that kind of 
you can build off of because jokes and inside, you know, things might happen or it's just like a good just break for them. Um, I forgot what the game was called, but there was a one time where it's like you have to like guess where it is on the map. Right. And so we did that. That was a couple of years ago, but we didn't even do it with just our, it was like a company wide thing. But we just have like a Slack channel. And then honestly, we probably spent a little bit too much time on it. But it was great for us because it allowed us to like talk about our travels and like, hey, this looks familiar, you know. And so once you can kind of get away from all just the work in itself, it really allows you to, um, yeah, just really explore those relationships that if you, if you really want to build it, you got to be intentional with it. I mean, if you really want to go after it, you go back to the humility point and put the target on yourself and really like self-deprecating humor. Mm-hmm. You can That's really like have the team come at you. It's a, it can, it can, you gotta be a little vulnerable, mm-hmm. but, uh, there is some success when you fun, can, yeah. you know, kind of take the brunt of the jokes, but, uh, can, can build team. We'll let you take that one, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, the- I was going to say too, just, I don't know if anyone does this with your home life, with your family, partner, um, kids or anything, but there's a certain time in the evening where I'm like, okay, we're not going to talk about work anymore. Um, And I do that sometimes with teams, right? So if you are all like, okay, we're going to go out to lunch. We're going to go grab that cup of coffee. Let's just not talk about work. And then you are talking about yourself. And someone told me one time, people love to talk about themselves. Like, believe it or not, like it's us. Like we love to talk about what's going on in our lives and not everyone. But um, I do think once you build that relationship and can kind of be like, okay, this time is for getting to know each other and we're not going to talk about the client and it can work. So especially if you're spending hours on end together. I mean, yeah. people work a lot. I mean, we, we spend a lot of our lives working. And so it would be a shame for us just to have those hours and like, Oh, well, you know what? I don't really know. I'd be that well, but I'm on to the next project, right? right. It'd just no. be a shame. Um, so we really got to bake that in more. Where does the importance of communication come in? Step one. Step <laughs> really Explain. Important. Explain. <laughs> I mean, you can't, I, mean, I guess you can, I don't know, can't, you can never is, is a strong term, right? But I, I, I don't know. I just, I, I just don't understand how you could have a successful interaction, a successful team relationship without uh, communication. And, you know, I think you have, you have the, the best communication is a two-way street. You know, you're giving as much as you're taking, making sure you're putting off positive intent in your communication. But you know, I, I'm very much a proponent of over communication is the best kind of communication, even if it can drive you crazy at times. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think communication, you really got to work on that from from day one in a manager setting because it only gets more difficult. Like you're not only are you managing and, and communicating with people up the chain, but you're communicating with people down the chain and, and clients and you got personal lives. And, and so it's just it's so important to kind of work on that and always be improving that that aspect of it um, well like i said from day one what are some ways that you can practice improving your communication skills i mean is it just reps or is there some things i can do ahead of time knowing honestly communication is one of the th- honestly still i sort of struggle with that i mean i'm i can admit that i'm like an overly verbose wordy guy especially when i'm like explaining things to the client so really just learning from others and like trying to actually dissect of like, okay, this was the thought that he or she was trying to get to, and this is how they presented it. Just kind of play it back in my mind, like, okay, how would I have done it? And you know, what what would that look like? Would that look differently? Would it, you know, would I have been more concise? Would I have not? Um, I think it really takes like a lot of intention of 
of, of practicing that. Like sometimes it takes me a while just to draft emails. And cause I'm always just like word vomit and it's like a paragraph. I'm like, no one's going to read that, you know? And so, um, it, it takes practice. It takes trial and error. And I think it takes like learning from others who do it well, right. Who don't say the filler words who, you know, there's actually like, you know, a lot of trainings on that. Um, you can't just assume that like, oh, if I just say this enough, it'll make sense. Like you really have to put some intention be behind of like, what does communication look like? Where do I stand? How can I get better? And okay, I need to actually go out and learn how to get better at communicating. And who you're talking to, you know, yeah. I think, you know, how you tailor your communication to who you're talking to is again, something I didn't appreciate until later on in my career. You know, if you're talking to a CFO, it's going to be a little different than, you know, a, a NAP clerk, right? And I think the level of detail, how you present things, it goes exactly with what Andrew's saying, you know, and some of that just takes takes experience, um, but it does take some some in, intentional thinking um, on, on your own part. Yeah, it seems like you could also, if, if you've developed some of the, the connectivity that we've talked about, yeah. you've also, all those are opportunities to get feedback as well, which can go both ways, even though maybe you're wanting to develop that as a leader, you could get feedback from the CFO or the person who's on your team and say, how would you make this better? Maybe. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember which one of you mentioned just different situations, right? And it's, there's a predictable unpredictability of what will be thrown at you today and next week. Being adaptable, being flexible. Um, I struggle with this, but I appreciate seeing people who seem to be even keel on the exterior. Like, they help calm me, actually. Are these things that you can work on as a leader and, you know, just how important, how important is that in your ability to not only get the job done, but create an environment where other people are happy and, and performing well? Uh, where does that fall and how do you get better at it? I always say, especially in consulting, um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And the more that you can share that mentality with your team and let them know that it's always going to be okay right? It's always going, we're always going to get it done. It's going to be okay. We're going to get to the finish line. I feel like that is a huge piece that allows you to be adaptable, flexible, have the confidence in yourself. Um, but it's going to be uncomfortable, but you know what? We get comfortable with the uncomfortable and the challenge of it. So yeah, I think for me, it's younger in my career, I, I felt like everything was high priority. And so as I've gotten a little bit more experience, it's like, well, not everything is. So, you know, like making sure you prioritize what you need to get done um, and kind of adapting to to the things that are, are not as important or urgent, right? And so um, that took me a while because I would stress me out. Like, oh, I got to do like 50 things. And it's like, some, you know, many times people are like, okay, what are the two most important things you need to accomplish today? Like the other things, can they wait? It's like, yes, they can, right? And so kind of, to our point earlier of like anxiety and the pressures that we put on ourselves in order to be adaptable. I mean, you really have to take a step back a lot of the times and just take a breath and be like, okay, big picture. What do I really need to accomplish? Um, and I think that just, that has taken me a time, taken me, you know, quite some time just to really understand like, is my importance different than how my MD sees it, right? And, and so, that's how you learn and just asking questions um, and understanding is like, what's your thought process to it? Like, why would this be important? Or why would you do this a certain way? Um, but I think the beauty of, of the adaptable part is like leaders have to be willing to learn down 
did I say that right? Learn from those that are that you're leading. Um, I think many instances where I, I learned the most through the experiences of, you know, like my team or my coachee, right? I think Krista has been a really good example for me. I could not set goals for the life of me. Um, yet somehow, some way I was coaching her on how to set some goals. And I remember she came to our meeting and she like had this like list of things. And I said, I want a copy of this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to leverage and take it from her. And um, I actually made a training out of it. And so it was just really cool. It was a good aha moment where I was just like, you got to be willing to to be adaptable and learn from those that, you know, on paper might not know as much as you, but you'd be surprised, right? I think I was very foolish early on in my career. And then part of it, for whatever reason, was just this, you know, whether it be like a aspiring for perfection or wanting to prove myself. Yeah. And here's how I can do all of these things. But the more I hear, you know, you all talk, it's like, it, it makes me realize that everybody wants to be helpful. Everybody wants to, to solve a problem. Everybody wants to grow, you know, personally, professionally. It's our ability to give them that chance to do it and then figure out where they want to go and then and be able to support them however we can. And if you don't know how, like if there's one thing I've learned is that just go ask, <laughs> like, what, what are you looking for from yeah. this experience? And it seems like so many of your best practices are rooted in serving not just the customer and not just the company, but even more so you, because the better you can serve your people and your team, all those other things are going to happen, you know, naturally. It's a silly saying, but you know, it's, it's train the, train the person you're working with to take your job, you know, and, and I use it quite frequently on the teams that I'm on, but you know, we all have these aspirations of, of taking that next step. Right. And, you know, maybe some folks get to a point and they're, they're good, but you know, a lot of us, again, going back to like, we're high quality individuals who have these, these dreams of, of, of greatness. And, and that's awesome. And, you know, how do I get out of the details? Kyle, I teach the person that's working with me to do the details how I want it so that I, I can work on that next big point and that I know the details are going to be in a good, a good spot, right? And so um, you, you can say, yes, we do a lot of this stuff for the folks we work with because we, we care. I, I, I truly do care. But there is a, a, an element, too, of, of um, you know, self-success and, and preservation that, that comes along with it. And I don't, you know, I don't think it's uh, inappropriate to, to just at least call it out in, in this sense. But you know, I, I, I do think there are elements and I put a lot of intention into trying to be the best manager I can because it helps me too in the long run. Yeah, but I think it's also like you have to build that culture. Right? I yeah, think, yeah, yeah. you know, when, when we talk about, you know, growth and learning from each other and, and kind of being vulnerable to collaborating, like it, I think at Embark, there's, there's a really great culture of like we can advocate for each other. Right. And we can support each other and like we don't have to gatekeep information or gatekeep, you know, like things that would progress people because at the end of the day, it's like we want everyone to be successful and to succeed and to grow. Um, and so but that, that takes time. It takes in intentionality and, and it takes leaders to like do it first. Right. And so giving credit where credit's due, making sure people have a, the platform or the voice to actually speak up and to be recognized, not every company has that or not every industry has that. Right. And so um, you have to be super mindful as a leader. Like if we want our company and our culture to be very collaborative, then like we really have to foster and make sure that people have, you know, the right platforms to share and to, and to grow. Um, 
And so that it's not just like, a, oh, well, only one person gets the recognition for the mm-hmm. project that gets completed, right? Andrew said it better than I did. No, it came no. out that I was. <laughs> I was thinking about I it. I step on all the no, little people to get I, to where I want to go. No, no, it's, it's like a <laughs> good <laughs> balance. Yes. Yeah. Oh, exactly, exactly. And also, like, you <laughs> celebrate someone and empowering someone to lead and take your role, just as they are celebrating you for you taking your next yeah, step. Yeah. You know, like it's such a cool thing to have someone step into your maybe previous role or whatever and just like be successful you yeah. left that legacy you know it's just like it's a cool thing so i get what you're saying but they don't know that unless you give them that intention of like hey i really am trying to build you up so that you can't take my role right right you're not just saying like well i'll be out of here in six months so like good <laughs> no, luck no, no, like you're gonna take no, my role no, have fun no, at it like no. you're giving them like mm-hmm. hey this is this is my wisdom these are my insights you know like i want you to be more successful than me in this, you know, this position. Yeah. That's the right. thing too, right? You'll meet people that are like, man, you were, you're something else. Like I need to help you out to get you around me because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've got, you've got greatness in front of you, that type of stuff too. So it's, again, it's uh, being aware of the people mm-hmm. you're working with. I want to throw a, a, a few scenarios and we may not have time for everybody to chime in. So first, first to speak up can tackle that one. You're going to work with lots of different types of people. What happens when you're struggling to get along with somebody? How would you approach that particular challenge? Understanding why. Why do they act the way that they do? Why do they take the steps they do? Over communicating, like Michael said, to understand that, understand each other and better support. Maybe you do need to lead them and give them feedback as to how they are acting or um, presenting themselves. But I think just communicate, communicate, communicate. It goes back to that because you are going to work with people that are difficult and that is life and we are not all the same, but why not figure out what their intent is behind it? Maybe the reason that they act in the way they do, they communicate in the way they do. I think that's important, the why. Have you found that if you take that approach, however you might get there, whether it be a one-on-one, or, you know, just mm-hmm. a bit sincere trying to understand, more often than not, is that... Does that make the situation better? Yes. Okay. It helps. You don't always get quite all the way there, right? You're not going to see eye to eye on everything. But I do think it helps to just be like, what is the intent? Understand. I want to understand you. I care to understand you. I'm not just attacking you because you're different from me. Um, That's important. All right. One of you two can go for this next one. Um, How to influence up. You've got an idea, maybe it's new, maybe there's historically been some resistance or just the organization is a little bit old school. How do I influence up? I think you need to be organized. I think you... <laughs> Still figuring that out. Yeah. I think you absolutely have to be organized. You have to know your audience um, and, and and be very, very intentional in how you speak with folks. Um, you know, Hopefully it's it's a position where you, you've got a good relationship going into it. But, but if you don't, I think it's it's being very intentional with how you sell things, being very organized. And, you know, um, again, going back to my my audit days, the the partners that I worked with were exceptionally detail oriented. Um, and, and you went into meetings just way over prepared for all of it. And I think that's probably been ingrained in me. So I'm not saying it's the only way to 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 manage upwards, but. You know, I think it's it's managing their time appropriately, asking the right questions, getting to the right points quickly, and then giving them the opportunity as quickly as possible to start giving feedback. Because I think that's where those folks um, are going to provide the most value to you and whatever that question or issue might be. Andrew, at some point, 
depending on what organization you may find yourself or what stage of an organization or maybe even where you're at at that time in your career. Let's say you feel like you're on an island and you you don't have the guidance that you you feel like you need from above or you don't have that support. What then? I mean, you got to you got to go find it. You got to you got to raise your hand, um, you know, in this case, I've, I've been on many projects a little bit earlier on in my career that was was solo. And, you know, I just kind of told myself, well, like, well, I'll just do a good job. And, you know, like that'll that'll be the end of it. Um, but I, I think learning and kind of being on an island, quote unquote, um, you realize that there I mean, you only have so much knowledge, right? It, uh, for, for me, it's like I only knew as much as I knew. Um, and, and Google can only tell me so much, too, but like really allowing yourself to be what we talked about earlier just like vulnerable and like hey you know what like i really need to raise my hand and even if i felt like i was doing it well or that my project was going well i think you know what hopefully could set us as like what can we do to elevate what's like something better than just good right um i think sometimes when you're just crunched for for timelines and just trying to get stuff out the door we, we forget that and so challenging yourself to to like okay what can i do better um but I, I don't think that happens unless you raise your hand um and i don't think that happens unless you have those relationships right and i think we really try to foster that here it's always kind of scary to throw a question in the ninja channel and have like you know 200 other consultants like judge you for your question right but i i think if we can create an environment that really is like loving and, and non-judgmental Right. And understanding that, like, hey, you know, what? we've all been in situations where we're asking a question that seemingly seems dumb. We just need answers and we need best practices. Um, you know, that 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 anxiety easily, you know, kind of falls off the wayside. But you got to raise your hand. You got to go to people that you trust. Um, and you have to be connectors of people, too. Right. And so if you see someone in need or if you hear about something it's like, oh, this person's on this project, kind of dealt with it. Or I know someone who's an expert at this, like connect the dots. Right. And I think our company, I, mean, I think any industry, we could do a lot better because as we grow, like you don't know what you don't know. But if you do know, then like share it with people. Right. Don't be that gatekeeper of information, of resources. Um, I think that's the beauty of seeing people grow and, and throughout, you know, their different stages of, of their career here is like they really connect people well. And that's kind of what makes them leaders. You kind of, honestly, I've been here 10 years, like, I kind of forget what people's titles are. Like, that's I mean, a beautiful you could, fooled, you could have fooled me. Like, you know, because I know that, like, she's a leader. I can connect people. It's like, you want to meet someone in Dallas that knows the culture, knows the people, like, coordinates things. These, these are the people you should go to. Um, but that, I mean, that, once again, it takes a lot of time. Well, and you, you could leverage that same approach. And if maybe you don't have, if there isn't the right person internally that, that could lead yeah. to somebody externally. Um, I mean, you speak of this place, there's a lot of people here who make time to share it, pay it forward with people on the outside. Um, two more questions. When you encounter an inevitable disagreement, three people have an idea. You've got to, you have to make the call. How do, what are some productive ways to deal with that? Rock, paper, scissors. No, I don't know. Strictly talk behind their backs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, it's, uh, we're, broken record mm -hmm. relationships you know you hope you're in a spot where you can have a uh collaborative discussion mm -hmm. of pros and cons of different ideas and you know get to a a solution but i think i think being open with each other um providing feedback in a constructive way not in an attacking way like here's 
here's what I heard you say. Here's how, what I think about it. Um, it's a hard thing to balance. I don't know. I don't have a great answer for it. Sorry. <laughs> and sometimes you have to be the ultimate decision maker, right? And that is kind of the you do, confidence yeah. you, of, you have to make a choice. Okay, yeah. this is what it is. And so, yeah, that collaborative effort and just being comfortable, um, taking in all the perspectives and not discrediting what anyone's saying because everything is valuable and everyone has different perspectives, but yeah, you ultimately have to decide at some point. And that's, that's a really good easy. though answer though, Abby, like taking in all the perspectives, mm -hmm. like it, it would be so easy just to take a few and then cut it down. Yeah. But you know, I think the, the more successful groups are the ones with the broader uh, experience mm -hmm. or the broader, um, collective group of, of ideas, you know, and not all single-minded and, and, um, thinking the same way. And so I think to that extent, if you can pull those ideas out of people and really, even if you disagree with some of it, you know, ultimately the final conclusion is a collaboration of everybody. You know, hopefully you get to a point where everybody's happy with, with the work product, but you know, it is trial and error at some point. You do have to make a decision. You have to go with it. I want to end with, uh, ask, having each of you answer one question. Um, if we could put a, a little bulletin, a sign right next to whoever might be listening to this, right? As a reminder, don't forget to do this. If you forget everything else, or if there's one thing to prioritize, wake up, don't forget this. I'm curious, it doesn't matter if, you know, try to fit it on the sign that we have, but it's okay if it's long. What would be your compass for them to use as their true north every day? I hit on empower all the time. I just think there's nothing better than feeling empowered. So I would say, lead with genuine care and empower others. Wow. That's a good one. <laughs> that's going to be tough. That's a, that's a it's that's in a my room on. already. I'm yeah. just, that's, you know, a, that's a big sign. It's in my office, you know. <laughs> my sign was a lot shorter. I was, that's okay. I was, I was thinking, um, I, mine was just like, just, just be you like kind of the authenticity of, you know, every leader is not going to look the same. Um, you know, I always encourage people like take the things that you really enjoy about the leaders that you've worked with. Right. Um, but, but find ways to just not just copy them. Right. Because after a while it's, there's no passion in it. Right. If you do it a certain way that I saw Michael do it. I mean, after a while, I'm just like, this is what Michael did. Like there's no, there's no me in, in it. Um, and so, find ways to be like truly your authentic self. Like if you're a people person, like go ahead in into investing in those relationships and really getting up. If you're a technical person, like find ways to to challenge them in, in a technical way and, and how do you balance that out? But, um, you know, don't just copy and replicate because eventually, you know, you're, you're going to kind of just, you're just, there's, there's not going to, it's not going to be exciting. It's not going to be fun to be a leader of someone else's thing. So like, be creative, you know, be authentically yourself. Um, yeah. So just be you just a small sign. That's nice. It's great. You, I like yeah. that. Uh, I would just say serve the team. Right. I think, um, I think a, a good manager, a good leader on any team doesn't have a preconceived plan. Right. And they're not, the team isn't doing the work for the manager. You know, I think it should be the other way around, you know, and, and it's, it's doing anything and everything needed for the team and, and it's, it's success. So is that, is that running meetings? Is that setting the timeline? You know, is that doing the hardest research there is, or is it purely just 
asking questions of your associates, right? And, and, you know, trying to keep the, the mood light or, you know, dealing with the occasional partner comments or MD comments or whatever, right? Like, you know, whatever is needed up and down the, uh, call it the decision tree of the team, right? Like just serve your team. And I think if, if you do that with the right intentions, you know, I, I think that goes a long way with, you know, if you're a natural manager, great. Like you'll do awesome. If you're someone who has to practice at it, like, I think that that, that motto right there by itself will lend, you know, to, to good success. Um, and hopefully your team sees that you're there for them and not the other way around. Really important topic. And, um, I think we've covered it from a lot of really valuable angles. And, um, you know, I've, I worked a lot of mediocre jobs throughout my life. And at times I felt lost. And a lot of it had to do with being in environments where I didn't really experience much of what you've articulated or best practices. Truly grateful to be able to get to do this for a living and get to learn from each of you. So appreciate your wisdom. And um, I think you I think you're going to help a lot of people get to their next level. And if they have any other questions, please reach out to any of these three awesome people. Um, Abby, Andrew, Michael, thank you so much for your time and wisdom. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. I hope you got a ton of value from our panel and choose to transform their insights into action and unstoppable momentum. If you have a follow-up question or a future topic request, please email us at podcasts at embarkwithus.com. That's podcasts at embarkwithus.com. So we can get to work on creating content that'll get you wherever you want to grow. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss out on wisdom to help you work smarter and level up faster. And lastly, if you're a repeat listener, consider supporting the show with a five-star rating so those algorithms can expand our reach and impact. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. Cheers.